We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. It's officially August, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in on the action now. With Best Ball, you can draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make sense of those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Are you tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy football team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before each before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season long? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. John McKechnie here, Mario Puig. Mario, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Uh, let's see. It's a nice day outside. It is. Um, I don't know. The Amazon's on fire. That's bad. That's I would really have, bad. I would have hoped for a smaller forest to start on fire than that one. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's all I've got on my mind. My small peanut brain, actually, when it saw... Amazon Fire trending on Twitter yesterday. Like uh, it literally went to the Amazon Fire Stick. Like, yeah, I I'm feel, sure I'm not the only one, but oh, still. the Fire Stick. Yeah. I yeah, I I feel silly about this, but I fired off my confetti cannon because I assumed it was like Jeff Bezos's uh, many houses <laughs> that have sweatshops inside of them, and I thought maybe some of them started on fire, but unfortunately they didn't. And uh, yeah, so I wish I had that confetti back. I don't. I I regret 
firing it off for that particular event. It's not a good one. Yeah, no, but we'll have to go back to the confetti store to reload uh, for that one. But the confetti yeah. cannon store. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The confetti is easy to find. It's the cannons that you got to go to a specific dealer for. I like to make my own confetti. Yeah. So uh, we got a good show lined up here today. We're going to get into some some news here for a little bit. And then the meat of the show is going to be going over the Rotowire Stake League auction that Mario and I both participated in earlier this week. It was a pretty interesting way of getting a, a sense now on how uh, you and I and the rest of our, our you know, coworkers who are very kind of boots on the ground with, with this stuff on on the fantasy end are viewing uh, all these players right now from an auction standpoint. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, the auction itself kind of dragged on a little bit there, but uh, we made it through. So yeah, it was kind of funny that we had a five minute break when there was like two minutes left in the auction. <laughs> like it was, I, I think I had something like four dollars left, and I was like, oh, I was hoping we could stop and wait a little bit good um, it's yeah, really it's, good but anyway uh yeah for that had nothing to do with this but i don't like my teams that much but i, I got a bunch of like my guys but I, I i accidentally made a couple bit well at least one bit i did accidentally like i, I ended up with kiki kuti for three dollars who i i basically don't want on a roster spot in this particular format it's standard scoring it is 14 teams, so there's something to say for QT, but it's like, this league has small benches, which I hate, but I always forget it each year, and I have no depth. Yeah, so we'll get to that and uh, the rest of our teams uh, yeah. there in a bit, but before uh, we get there, and you know, this kind of applies here with, with the way that he was priced in, in this auction, but I think people are also very curious as to what your view on Zeke is from an ADP uh, standpoint. It seems like uh, the Cowboys, as of today, offered him what what Ed Werder kind of deduced is a contract that would make him the second highest paid uh, running back in the league, which I think was rather expected where it's sort of like he's going to get more than Le'Veon Bell, uh, but less than Todd Gurley is sort of the the impression uh, that that I've seen makes sense i think that just teams in general aren't gonna want to overshoot the girly contract anymore especially with, with everything that has uh, transpired since then so i wasn't surprised by that but again you know that's an offer that's sitting on the table it hasn't been signed or or anything uh yet officially so maybe there's no movement whatsoever but either way that's allegedly what what was floated out to zeke what do you think of that and then what what have you been doing about zeke in terms of uh you know where he's going in drafts I haven't picked him in the past, uh, I don't know what it's been like two weeks or something like that, basically because I just, I haven't had that many picks where I would have had the chance of taking him anyway. Uh, for some reason, randomly, I guess it's like there was this auction that I partook in and I, I wasn't going to bid on him exactly. He went for $51. Uh, I think we had $200 budgets. Yeah. So, so I think he was the, f- he was probably the fourth, uh, most expensive running back. Right, I paid more for Nick Chubb at $54. Oh, I wasn't exactly uh, expecting Chubb to go for that much, but there was one other owner in the league who just uh, was all in, and I had slightly more money, so I just kind of had to go the distance on that one. But um, yeah, I would much... Like, if I had to make the call, I think I would take Chubb over Elliot right now, but I guess the the background info on that is... Um, maybe unreasonably a high on Nick Chubb and definitely higher than most people. But to me, I think everybody's just kind of wrong about his pass catching ability. And um, as much as, you know, that he's still, even if he has his good case pass catching scenario, he's not going to keep up, of course, with guys uh, like Saquon or McCaffrey or Kamara. But I think that Chubb's a really good bet to lead the league in touchdowns from scrimmage. So I see him as about as high of a floor as you can get pretty much with a substantial ceiling too, like top five kind of ceiling. So I, I guess that's how I can draw the line on Elliot. Like I, I know I would rather have Chubb, but after that, it's like the odds of him falling any further to the point where I have to think about it again, just aren't very good. So I, I don't think I've seen him go later than nine or something like that in a draft. And I, I know I won't take him there because uh, I'll take Chubb. I could. I think I could convince myself to take Connor too. Even Whoa. Um, that's I just, a reversal, of course. Well, yeah, I just don't know what's going to go on with any of it. And uh, I mean, I don't know what. Maybe this Cooper injury is good news for Zeke. Like maybe that convinces Jerry. Like, oh, I guess we really do need Zeke more because Cooper's going to be screwed up this year. I don't know. I have no idea where any of it's going. But I, I just 
don't really want to take the risk of having a first round pick that uh you know is already with a limited number of games and it's like even just because a guy you know misses some time and comes back theoretically ready to play it doesn't mean a that he will be or b that he can't get hurt again or something like that it's like the 16 games is uh something you'd like to have assured in as a as a possibility with your first round pick and it it just isn't guaranteed with Elliot. No, it's not. So I you know, I'm I'm worried about that still kind of lingering even even if like the the contract is on the table there. So uh there's some there's some concern. Obviously, you know, we talked about it last week. I had the four spot um in that NFFC draft and it was PPR um but I, I took David Johnson instead of Zeke and and uh looking at uh drafts that have gone on from this time that we were recording last week till right now, uh Zeke has still gone as high as two in some leagues and as low as ten. So it's a totally legitimate opinion to to have like that he's worth the second pick because what if he I mean, plays? He, I mean, in June he was like the you know locked in number two, right? And before the Lavian Bell situation last year, there was no real such thing as situations like Bell's. It's like the closest thing might have been Emmett Smith back in like I don't know if that was even his rookie year. It was a weird, uh, not at all analogous holdout to what the the Elliott and Bell and uh, Gordon Gordon situations are in more recent times but it's like the bell we we all thought was just like not gonna happen because it never did before then it did and it's like well how the hell are we gonna know the difference ahead of time whether this is the real thing again or if it's uh you know a bluff holdout uh just can't really take anything for granted either way so that you know it's it's justifiable to take the risk but it's also super justifiable to take a player who uh isn't threatening to sit out the year yeah so i've i've been risk averse you know like you were saying you want that sure thing you don't want to be the one that that gets burned you know spending your first round pick on someone that that doesn't end up playing uh i listened on the radio this morning jeff darlington on espn was saying that his source inside the cowboys was pretty adamant that he believes that zeke is going to be there and ready to roll uh week one that this contract will get done but still you know until we know that for sure i think i understand where you're coming from and and obviously i'm justifying it for myself where i am risk averse to to taking zeke inside the top five picks at this point i'm another guy whose adp is kind of all over the place a little bit um among other things all over the place a little bit antonio brown uh, so he's going as high as pick 17 and as low as pick 33 in drafts that have gone on the NFFC over the last week. Okay, yeah, I feel like I've seen him fall into almost the 40th pick range on draft best ball, but I'm not picking him. That's nope. This isn't even comparable to, well, it's not comparable to Zeke and Gordon because Brown isn't holding out, uh, at least not on a contract basis he isn't, but it's also not analogous because his upside is not the league winning sort in my opinion like i just as much as i think antonio brown is very very good and as much as Derek carr uh Derek carr has uh you know at least for little bits of time been able to support amari cooper and michael crabtree as decent uh, uh fancy receivers they still were only decent and they were guys that you picked in like the fifth sixth seventh round just uh crabtree more so the sixth seventh uh cooper more like fourth fifth you're still taking brown in the late second uh mid third even with all this insanity going on like that's not much of a discount he's going ahead of melvin gordon a lot of the time and it's like at least if gordon or zeke play they can very plausibly finish as top five overall players i don't think you can see that with brown like I probably give a higher projection to Chris Godwin just in a vacuum, like even if uh, even if Brown plays 16 games. So if if that's the the way that he's if that's the area of the draft that he's falling into, and I consider a guy going you know 12 picks later to be at worst an equal option, I'm not ever picking the first one. Exactly. So that that's been my my big thing is that I just would rather go after the receivers that are going in his There's range. There's good ones there that are comparable. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Evans is someone that that's probably gone by the time that 
that Antonio Brown falls to falls to you towards that very end of the second round. But there are just other guys. You know, I would probably take Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen Both over, of them over easily. Yep, and uh, Godwin. I think it. You know, it's a it's a bold statement probably to hear like for the first time. But I, I mean, I also uh, would be of the opinion that that Godwin ends up with more points than Brown as well. I mean, I'm just so worried about Brown. I'm worried about this offense. Uh, Derek Carr, like the third lowest uh, average depth of throw last year among quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts. So he doesn't really push the ball down the field. The whole Antonio team is Brown this- also on the wrong side of 30. I, I like, you know, it's like the, the last thing that, that we've been talking about. But like, what if there's a fall off here, just even if he's ready for week one? Yeah, there's that. And uh, like a really good season for Antonio Brown on the Raiders would have been something like 100 catches for 1100 yards and six touchdowns. And that would be more than sufficient for even a second round pick in PPR. But unless we think Derek Carr is going to throw a bunch of touchdowns this year, I never understood the, the case for Brown in standard scoring uh, anywhere near that price. Anyway, I never saw it. And the other thing, like, it's not just the foot issue which i have no idea what how anyone can know what's going on there like it's it's one thing to say like oh it's uh, it's just a what chemical burn like what, well, he just needs it the, was actual frost the, yeah the frozen parts of his of his footing the the frozen water inside of it it just needs to thaw out and then they need to cut off the dead skin under the underneath that seriously yep oh my god wait so how deep in the skin is it it got up in there uh yeah so it's a good thing we have dozens of past cases of guys uh, voluntarily <laughs> freezing their feet to the point of needing medical intervention because we know how it always works out once they come back to the field. Um, I yeah, so not knowing how that actually w- could possibly work, I don't. I, I'm not going to just assume that this space injury that he has <laughs> is going to turn out to be easily managed. As much as it's like you, you know, it's nice as a starting point. They're like, well, they haven't had to cut it off, so uh, he'll you know questionable for week one it's like that's i kind of need better reassurances than that some mr deed stuff going on there's that there's the helmet thing which i have no idea i just don't have any idea and then it's not just that it's not just that and and then david or uh, Derek carr so there's three substantial concerns there you also have the fact that the entire team is mismanaged that's a, a circus over there like mayock has no idea what he's doing gruden's just whatever a joke basically um he's not as bad as some coaches but he's basically a joke and mike mayock has done pretty much a perfectly awful job since taking over as a gm there uh making that trade for antonio brown not having like a a firm grip on like his nature uh passing on a guy like ed oliver and taking clellan farrell taking josh jacobs at the end of the first round and saying that you're passing on these better players because you're pursuing character guys for the move to Las Vegas. Then you sign Richie Incognito too. Ooh. It's like what are you what are you even doing? You have no method. You're just making things up. And if you if you're just making up the the plan as you go, like you're gonna just tie yourself into stupid positions. And this is just like a ridiculous outcome that was totally unnecessary. There might be more unnecessary, ridiculous things ahead. There's just nothing you can bank on there. No, it's it's very bizarre. I think I think that you know to this point, yeah, Mayock hasn't maybe caught the the level of flack that, he that he's already brought on to himself. Absolute joke of a team right now. Yeah, and you know coming into th- that pos- that GM position with three first rounders, you know, in his back pocket, and to turn it into that, especially when like n- you know it's like a verbal meme, like no one, then Raiders of four, Cleveland Farrell, like that nobody yeah. was projecting that. He would have been a pretty good pick at like 25th overall. I'll there you go. That. Yeah. So, yeah, that just a uh, bit of a head scratcher there. Um, we're going to get into Jimmy Garoppolo here in a second, too. But before then, we got a message from our friends over at Sports Predictor. The team of professional sports bettors at sportspredictor.com are an elite group of long term winners. They're here to help you beat your bookie. Number one, they win. The entire team at Sports Predictor have a proven, profitable edge. Number two, they're data-driven. They use predictive sports models to consistently find value. Number three, they're honest and transparent. Every pick for every capper every day is published on their website. Number four, subscribers are limited or subscribe subscriptions are limited. Every sports predictor package has a subscriber limit. When that number is hit, it is closed to new members. And lastly, they educate their betters with informative articles, the sports predictor podcast to help you learn from professionals. Choose a professional handicapping service that operates with integrity and a winning edge. Choose sportspredictor.com. 
All right, Mario. So I know we always talk about how preseason doesn't matter and largely it doesn't, but I think it's funny to say that. And then also to see an immediate sort of reactionary, uh, result happen in the, in the form of Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I know in, in our format, in the stake league format that has the shallow benches, uh, only five res- reserve spots, I believe, are on that. And, uh, and it's a one quarterback league. But the point remains, we had almost 240 total guys come off the board on Tuesday's stake league auction, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. And I don't think you can tell me that pre- like his putrid performance in the preseason to this point had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I don't know how many players, uh, how many quarterbacks were picked in the auction. I, I don't know if some teams went with just one uh, and uh, passed on the backup, which is totally reasonable to do when you That's have what I did. stupid small benches like this league. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was not picked in this. I would have considered taking him, but I already had uh, Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, so wasn't going to take three. I already kind of... I didn't mean to get both of Cam or Ryan. I just thought like, eh, that's too cheap for the, for them to go to anybody for $5. So I bid six a couple times. But if I hadn't, if I had only taken one of Cam or Ryan, I would have been totally okay with Garoppolo for, I don't know, it wouldn't have been surprising to me if he had gone anywhere from one to four in that league. But I think that basically Garoppolo at his current price is – not risky at all like it's it's risky to go into the year with him as your primary quarterback i think it could work out totally fine but it's risky um with that said especially in best ball like if you're getting him as a second quarterback and you're talking like 13th 14th round it's like that's that's like 15 picks earlier than someone might take andy dalton or something like that and i definitely have garoppolo way ahead of him sure so uh, i think what's important for people to keep in mind is that Garoppolo doesn't need to be that good to be useful in this system, not just because he's really cheap in fantasy drafts, but because the system dictates that there will just be kind of empty calorie production, if nothing else. And we saw that with Mullins last year. Like, Mullins is not good. I've seen a lot of people who have been convincing themselves, like, oh, he's going to actually take the job from Jimmy Garoppolo. I really don't think that's a possibility. I think it's easy to look good if you're competing with C.J. Beathard, I don't think that it's true that uh, Garoppolo has uh, regressed so much that Mullins, you know, this guy who's really turnover prone and not especially accurate at Southern Mississippi is going to come in and take the job from him. Now, uh, it's it's something that Mullins was as good as he was last year. It's better than you would expect of an undrafted rookie, but uh, still point stands. It was mostly based on the system. And Garoppolo, however bad he is, is unlikely to be as bad as Mullins. So uh, I I don't exactly have, you know, 4,500 yard hopes for Garoppolo these days, but 4,000 yards is definitely within reach, I think. And whatever reason there is to doubt him, I don't think the preseason is one. It's one thing to freak out about that training camp thing where he threw five interceptions, but that was impressive. Yeah, I I just don't know what to make of it because it's like, I don't think he's going to get benched. And I think whoever is out there is going to just ride the wave of the scheme. So I don't know. I think I think the stuff about freaking out about the Denver defense is stupid uh, because it's like Denver could have one of the best defenses in the league and it's preseason. So just just ignore it. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be fine basically just because he doesn't need to do much to be useful to this, at his current price. Okay. So yeah, basically you're, you're saying that, you know, if, if it's to the point where now his ADP is, has dropped to where it's, you're picking between him and Andy Dalton, you know, that's a much better discount than what you're getting on Garoppolo heading into the summer. But I think just like what I wanted to, to get out there is that, he has looked bad and like the fact that you know he did have that viral like training camp report come out where he threw picks on five consecutive reps like that is a little bit strange and he looked really shaky on Monday night I thought and and it was limited and obviously he's going against Denver that has a good defense and all that but he looked really uncomfortable and I, I think that maybe that knee is going to be a problem this year in terms of like his confidence uh, that's you know obviously a huge injury to come back from and I, I think we kind of gloss over how big of a deal that can be for players so uh, you know I think that like you said he's going to have the job security I don't see him losing this job if he's healthy but I 
think that this like the high hopes for this 49ers team uh might need to be you know checked a little bit here if Garoppolo struggles like I think it's kind of trending towards right now yeah he could I just I just don't care about any preseason game like if if his if his leg snaps when he's on the field I'll go like that's bad that's not good to see his leg snap like that um but if he's getting it was six pass attempts. I just, I don't know, just don't care. Fair enough. Uh, I understand. Um, I under, yeah, and again, you know, preseason, again, doesn't matter. But, like, it's it's totally reasonable to worry about the ACL, I think. I just wouldn't uh, raise or lower that fear based on what happens in the preseason. Understandable. All right, so let's get into your team and how you approach this auction. So basically, just uh, the general format here for the listeners, it's a 14-teamer, uh, standard league, one quarterback, two running back, three receiver, a flex, um, and a tight end that you're starting, as well as three IDPs, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, um, and a defensive back. So what was your approach coming in uh, in terms of how you wanted to to build your roster, given the, the fact that this was a standard format? Well, I didn't know what to ex- – I never know what to expect with Stake League. Like, it's a weird mix of people that are participating, so it doesn't follow, like – you know draft best ball adp or nffc adp it's kind of like a lot of things are liable to just kind of be improvised and uh, a little bit wacky at times so i mostly just went into it thinking like i just got to get a bunch of my guys and you know not overthink the prices too much so i was able to do that i often target guys like nick chubb and chris godwin i got both of them i don't normally specifically target tyreek hill but he went the cheapest only by like one or two dollars between i think all of um himself maybe not michael thomas but i I feel like i remember all of like julio odell beckham and uh probably Devontae adams probably deandre michael thomas went for 40 okay yeah and i i have uh you know hill safely ahead of thomas especially in standard scoring because i don't i just don't think thomas is a big play guy but yeah so I, i basically considered all of those guys very solid wide receiver ones and i ostensibly targeted the cheapest one so that's how i ended up with hill and i'm totally good with that as a wide receiver one totally good with chubb as a running back one obviously i'm good with godwin as the second receiver i ended up paying too much for tevin coleman at 28 dollars because he's a guy that i am totally glad to get here but uh i believe derrick henry went for less than that and it's like as much as i like uh, he, he went the same amount, $28. So as much as I like Coleman a lot this year, I still have Henry safely ranked ahead of him. So Henry was up first for the bidding. Uh, Coleman was much later. If, if I had you know that hindsight knowledge ahead of time, I would have gone to 28 for Henry. But uh, yeah, so I, I paid a little bit too much in that sense. I could have gotten some better deals. But in general, I'm happy with a quarterback rotation of Cam Newton and Matt Ryan the receivers Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and uh, Deshaun Jackson and Jameson Crowder are kind of like my co-number three receivers, which in 14 teams I think is fine. But uh, Vance McDonald is my tight end, and I admittedly wish I had gotten him for a little cheaper than $14, but I just didn't see uh, any recourse if I didn't get him. Yeah, I think the, the tight end thirst had started at, at that point, so that, that probably explains why why he went for a little bit over uh, budget. You know, it's funny, if I, were, if I were just doing like a blind look at all these rosters with, with no knowledge of, of who uh, was the owner of each team, I probably would have been able to pick out yours just because I know about Jalen Richard. Yeah, Jalen Richard is like the deadest of dead giveaways, but mm-hmm. uh, Nick Chubb, Chris Godwin and Cam Newton, like it, at that point, I would just know that that was your team. But yeah, I, to be serious, I accidentally took Kiki QT. I thought I was just going to click like one time on the bid or whatever, and that someone else would bid for no one did. So I'm stuck with him. I might cut him for some crap pickup. I don't know. And I also didn't mean to take Richard. I can't remember what I did wrong with. I think I might have just like had the clock creep up faster than I thought, and I was down to one dollar bids. So I just had to name a player, and like the only name I could think of was Jalen Richard because I scrambled the player list accidentally. Um, but whatever, I'm not that worried about it. More likely, the running backs that I'll that I'll need something from are Justin Jackson and Justice Hill, who I got for four dollars combined. So. 
I don't know. It's 14 teams. You're probably going to be weak in some sense. And if it's, if it's not depth, then it's going to be, you know, your starters. And at least I don't worry about my starters. Like if I, I basically like all my starters for the roles that they're, you know, slotted into right now, but I, I wish I had better depth. I wish I didn't have Kuti. I wish I didn't have Richard cause it's standard scoring. There's no half point PPR. It's not PPR. So uh, he could have like one or two touchdowns this year, which would make him pretty useless in standard scoring. Yes, it would. Um, so yeah, he he's definitely more more the PPR ta- target, and and we've talked about that. Um, it was funny because Nick Chubb kind of hung out on the board. You know uh, the way that auctions work. You know it's at the mercy of the people nominating. So it was funny to see all these running backs and other top end players go off the board, and Nick Chubb was the fifty third player nominated so a lot of people had already taken care of their rb1s at that point and i noticed that you had like 150 bucks of your budget left or or something uh around that area just yeah 155 because you had only gotten tyree kill at that point and i was like whatever poor sucker is gonna try to outbid mario for this is just not it's not gonna end well for them i think everyone knew where that was going (laughs) like it was actually jake latarski who was bidding on chubb otherwise and i think i don't even know if he was so much chasing chubb himself or if he was like just kind of uh he knew i was going to keep bidding so he kept bidding kind of thing yeah because at at that stage he could have you know walked away with having david johnson and chubb in his backfield because he got he got david johnson very early on but he ended up paying quite a bit for marlon mack i think it was just a few picks later so yeah i guess he was kind of like i need to get two good starting running backs which is totally reasonable strategy but yeah i hadn't picked any running back yet when i was bidding for chubb so that was that was one of my uh, favorite parts of of the auction there was also yeah when you got justice hill i was really really tempted to to bid that up but i uh i think i had different plans at at that exact stage but there are other times where i think i might have ticked you off Uh, yeah um there was a I, I, I wasn't terribly serious about this, I but know, I, I mentioned after the draft that uh, I was going for Richard Higgins rather than like, I would rather have Higgins swear to God than Kiki Kuti right now, especially in standard scoring, because I don't know if Kuti is going to score more than a few touchdowns all year. Whereas I think Higgins can score. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I would not actually be surprised if Higgins had eight touchdowns this year. Like that just, it wouldn't be what I predict specifically, but if it happened, I would not blink at that. I mean, do you think that he is second on the Browns in receiving touchdowns when the season's over? I would project I him for, Njoku. I would project him for fourth just because, yeah, and Joku and Beckham definitely in the lead, but as much as I think Rashard Higgins is clearly better than Jarvis Landry, I don't think i don't know they it'll be interesting because they're gonna play a similar number of snaps i bet like in two wide i think you'll see higgins sometimes and in three wide i think you'll almost always see him so he might match or almost match jarvis landry's snap count and if he's out there i mean higgins is gonna get open more often than landry so i don't think baker's a, a lock to uh you know distribute targets in the descending order of salary like people generally project like and, and if it's merit that they're spreading the targets around on, then Jarvis Landry's in trouble because he's just not as good as these other guys, in my opinion. But uh, I would conventionally project Higgins to still be fourth because as much as I'm fading Landry, uh, I don't specifically want to predict that he'll uh, be within, I don't know, uh, 30 targets of Higgins, 40, 50, whatever the number is, whatever reasonable number it is. I would have to guess that Landry being paid $15 million a year will get him targets at, at Higgins' general expense. But it's not a guarantee, in my opinion. I mean, I think I think Landry's out of Cleveland after this year, and Higgins is due for a contract extension anyway. So the institutional incentive isn't quite what it looks like at a glance, in my opinion. And then uh, look, just looking elsewhere, so Callaway, you think, is kind of just out of the picture at this stage? I don't know if he's going to play for them again. I mean, his his whole offseason has been remarkably similar to Deontay Foreman's like they were both I don't know back in like May and April both of those teams were saying like oh my god I wish you could see this guy he's so good wow and then the training camps arrive and they're just like we hate these idiots get them out of here they cut Foreman of course in Houston they didn't cut Callaway in Cleveland but he suspended four games he's got a high ankle sprain I guess right now too and Derek Willies, by all accounts, is doing good in training camp. Uh, Higgins, of course, is doing really good. I'm not convinced that Callaway is like 
going to stay clean by the time his ankle's healthy. I don't even know if we can take for granted that they'll welcome him back when he's healthy and off the suspension. They might be looking at it as like, if we can't trade him, we're going to cut him for all we know. Maybe he would play if he got cut or traded wherever he got to next, but I am worried that Callaway will be like basically a zero this year, basically because, uh, I don't know. I guess he's just kind of dumb. Yeah, it seems to be uh, trending that way. So that that also kind of helped embolden me. It's not a Gordon Higgins was going to just kind of be locked into that number three spot. And it's not like a Josh Gordon thing with Callaway. Like he seems like he actually has a bit of a dark streak. And uh, it's not like just Josh Gordon who you know, basically self medicated or whatever. Uh, Callaway's got a much more checkered history, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's growing exactly. No, it does not. And you know. I mean, we saw on Hard Knocks last year that they were going to try to be, you know, kind of uh, disciplinarians with him, and it just doesn't seem to, to really be working there. So, uh, yeah, doesn't look good for his outlook for Cleveland to, for this year and, and probably uh, beyond. Before we get to, to my uh, auction team here, we got a message from our f- friends at Play Balto. Looking for another NFL pick'em contest? Well, we have one for you, and you can compete against Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, who is hosting a free-to-play NFL pick'em contest with our friends at PlayBalto.com. The winner takes home $1,000, and the GOAT himself has already had an early entry into the contest. Aside from competing against Joe, you'll also get to see his picks each week and find out if his football IQ translates off the field. So what are you waiting for? Join Join today at playbalto.com. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-L-T-O.com. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-L-T-O.com. So you can go and play with Joe Montana. All right, so let's go and get into into my roster here before we um, jump into a couple other odds and ends here and, and round out the show here. So uh, my starting lineup, uh, starting from the quarterback position and moving on down, uh, $6 Jameis Winston, a $62 Alvin Kamara, um, a $21 Mark Ingram, a $40 Mike Evans, $9 on Curtis Samuel, $20 on Tyler Boyd, 17 on Austin Eckler, and Mark Andrews, $7 uh, at my tight end position there. So I felt kind of like what you were saying there where you wanted to walk out of that auction with a at least a strong um strong starting lineup depth can be acquired and addressed more so uh during the season so my bench is not really going to bowl anyone over but i like my starting lineup as much as anybody's going going into the season i I felt like having the the winston evans combo uh could be really dangerous i know how you feel about uh curtis samuel and i always get tyler boyd pretty much no matter what so i was i was pumped about that and eckler for 17 i think could be a huge boon as well yeah i don't know what to make of the gordon situation like similar to zeke it's like everything is in bounds to me anything could happen and i I don't think it could be i don't think you could call any of the outcomes shocking exactly so eckler as a what is he your second flex or is your third running back yeah so that's that's pretty um low risk in 14 teams like ideally we'd be ppr scoring for eckler but chargers should score points and uh i mean he's really uncommonly good as a pass catcher uh, he's probably flex viable even if gordon were to play 16 games so if gordon doesn't play then yeah eckler becomes quite valuable in that case i thought um yeah your three receivers are good like evans as one boyd as two samuel is three definitely checks all the boxes i think uh yeah i guess your team's kind of like mine and like i i guess the depth is the main concern but uh you got higgins for two dollars and i i think in 14 teams he's i i'll say he's a wide receiver five to me in 14 team leagues even though i some part of me is thinking four which i guess i'm just being irresponsible if i say that particular thing (laughs) as much as deep down i think it's true but uh yeah it's uh and also adrian peterson in a league like this is not at all a bad running back four at two dollars because since it's standard scoring like that that he doesn't do anything as a pass catcher doesn't matter a whole lot and you're not dependent on him whatever the case so yeah the running back depth i I consider good for your team it's more the receiver depth that's maybe a little pre and tight end i guess a little bit pressed like i guess mark andrews as much as i think he's really good might have uh you know limited ceiling just because they have a three tight end offense over there even and it's, it's stupid they should uh 
they should remove Nick Boyle from the offense. They should have Hayden Hurst only play when Mark Andrews has, you know, when he's tired he's or, or when his tum-tum hurts or something. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a joke having that guy on the field. Andrews is clearly better. Yeah, Andrews, I think, you know, has a pretty good chance at leading that team in touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I, I think overall, though, I probably would feel a little bit better if I had a, a second tight end that was, you know, I'd say somewhere within, if we we're talking about a snake draft, like within a five round range to kind of back him up with. But going into the season, and it's not PPR, I, I do kind of like Andrews as, as my standalone tight end. I'm, I'm not super worried about that. Um, overall, uh, the receivers, yeah, it could be a little bit dicey, but there, there's also going to be uh, Golden Tate coming back at, you know, after week four. Again, like I don't, I don't think that he's as valuable in this format as he would be in PPR, but I didn't have to pay like anything for him. I, pay, I got him for $3, and I think that he is, you know, we were talking about how salary can a little bit dictate, you know, a guy's role in the offense, or at least what, what a team wants out of a given player here. So I think the Tate immediately gets on the field and, and challenges for, for snaps out of the slot and probably demands a fair bit of targets out there too. So I do like that as kind of like a, just kind of a safety blanket type of type of pick. It's not a home run swing by any means, but it's, it's something that's reliable. If one of my top three receivers go down in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I think that Tate, i don't even think it'll be like a challenge basis i think it's like he has the slot snaps waiting for him when yeah. he gets back so i think uh, i think we mentioned before or i mentioned before on this draft i really would not be surprised one bit if tate finishes the year with 75 receptions even at, even suspended for four games just because the giants shouldn't be in uh controlling game scripts very often they should kind of just be in a permanent state of losing and if they are then they're going to throw the ball saquon barkley can only get so many of those and after saquon the slot is where you would sooner expect eli manning to throw than outside toward the sideline downfield on the sideline or uh even down the seam where evan ingram's uh speed might normally be a threat it's like eli manning is just kind of dependent on throwing to tate's part of the field just categorically i think and uh there's also a chance that tate is still good like he was off to a fast start with the lions before they traded him and then the eagles basically didn't know how to use him yeah so uh there's a pretty good chance that tate is still one of the best slot receivers and uh, his touchdown upside is limited the suspension obviously isn't good but i don't know he's, he's gonna be very busy i think uh when he is back yeah so i was i was happy enough to have him as a depth option at receiver and i also felt like the david moore pick like i don't i still would kind of admit that i don't know a ton about his game but just the way that this uh, seahawks offense is set up in my opinion where uh tight end yeah and then you know dk metcalf having a, a minor knee surgery that is apparently only going to hold him out for a couple of weeks they're but saying I, it's I, a scope which really i remember one time marquez colston had a scope and was back in literally like nine days or something but okay. it's all it it's not all the same thing every time like it's it's without uh acting like i actually know what i'm talking about that you know just assume what everything i'm about to say is untrue but also for what it's worth I think, you know, it like depends on what they're actually cleaning out in the clean out procedure. And there's, they're not going to tell you like, you know, he had whatever, uh, f- five grams of loose particles that they removed. Like you don't hear that. You don't hear like a status report on the cartilage or whatever. So there's other things that can determine how long it takes. And, and, you know, especially whether there's an accompanying, accompanying, uh, condition of whatever sort. Uh, but there's no indication that Metcalf has like whatever a a bone-on-bone cartilage deficiency thing so as long as his ligaments are otherwise intact then it could just be a couple weeks like with sony michelle like the same thing that he's had uh each of the last two years and he came back each time pretty quick so nothing guaranteed but i i kind of believe them when they say it's not a a big injury a longer term injury for metcalf but i still think like i am a bit of a david moore truther still because I like Tyler Lockett a lot, um, but it's really difficult for me to believe this Jerron Br- Brown hype that they're pushing. It's I, I think he'll play regularly on that team, but David Moore is the only guy that they have who can fight for jump balls, basically, aside from Metcalf. But Metcalf is in his first year with the team. Moore knows the system for about 
three years or at least two years counting now. And I think more is probably just good. Like you look at his numbers last year, he had a few big games, then he fell off, but he still was playing a lot of snaps, including ahead of Jerron Brown. And I think that the issue with, with more is that he, I don't know, maybe he doesn't run routes that well. Maybe he doesn't get open much. So the, th- the targets that he was getting from Wilson were disproportionately far downfield and with a lot of coverage around him. So he had a low catch rate, even though he wasn't dropping passes, just because a bunch of them, I assume, were like getting knocked down or maybe they were kind of just, uh, you know, to avoid illegal uh, or intentional grounding, stuff like that, because he's explosive. He, he ran a 4-4-3 at 220 or something like that. So he's big and fast, and they were using him as the downfield specialist all year and the red zone specialist because when they get to the red zone, everybody else, you know, Lockett and Baldwin, they're short and light. So that should continue to be the case, though. You know, it's like they should get to the red zone plenty. And if they do, Lockett doesn't really project better than Moore does. And yet we also think Russell Wilson's going to throw 30-plus touchdowns. So just with like those details if those are all true it's like i feel like more has some uh some bit of upside even if it isn't obvious yeah i think so too so i mean he was my last guy so i'm not like banking on him doing anything for me necessarily but for for a dollar at the very end i thought that was a worthy uh dart to throw uh before we round things out here you you wrote it in your best ball journal this week you know just kind of taking overall uh stock of guys that that you feel like you have a lot a lot of a lot that you wish you didn't have guys that you wish you had more of any guy any of those guys that you were able to address in this uh particular draft get a share of that that you didn't have otherwise or, or had been hoping to get um trying to look at my team again like i don't have much justin jackson in uh the best ball leagues he's just been kind of like a trendy upside chase especially since the gordon holdout of course but i just don't think he's as good as eckler and i don't believe the premise that he could overtake eckler which i think is price normally said like you have some justin jackson truthers out there and they're kind of swinging the whole market in my opinion and i'm just not playing ball on it so this league was an exception getting him for three dollars when normally it's like in draft best ball he's going in the ninth or eighth even nowadays and it's like i'm 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 still whatever going for matt burrito or something like that two rounds later okay so that makes sense and then but you know outside of that were there any guys that you got or justice hill sorry i guess i don't have many of him he's also he's like with darwin thompson going in that 11th 12th range of draft best ball because the hype's been picking up so what explains the the justice hill hype exactly i mean that like i follow the ravens pretty closely i'm not getting why he's like just skyrocketed like i get the darwin thompson one a little bit more because i feel like carlos hyde we knew was bad like you had the sniff out for that one for a long time there so it the the thompson hype makes more sense to me that than hill i think that there's just still a pretty crowded backfield in baltimore yeah well, uh, i guess it's because he's looked good in the preseason you know when you're as when you're as fast and quick as as hill is no one's gonna watch him and say like hey it looks like crap <laughs> sucks uh they're gonna be like wow he's fast you know they like fast things he's good so he's he's i don't know it's it's hard for me to keep track of like what people are serious about anymore and what is just kind of like people trying to get attention on twitter basically but i i basically feel like it, it there's rarely a good case for the public opinion swings and the media agenda swings that we see with these players like not to say that carlos hyde is a lock to make the chiefs team or anything like that but you're seeing a lot of reports today specifically about how darwin thompson has jumped him on the depth chart and it's if you look at the report that's saying this it's the beat writer saying he thinks that maybe darwin thompson played more with the first team one day than carlos hyde but but my timeline last night though yeah and uh it's like I, I know that the beat writer has to say something. He can't just say like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. But that's not exactly like rigorous standards of reporting right there in, in the sense of like what everyone's taking away from it. Like people are writing secondary reports about like looks like Darwin Thompson's. Pa- who? How have you verified that? 
Carlos Hyde played ahead of him in their most recent uh, preseason game. He was listed two spots ahead of him on the depth chart. There's like it could mean something, but the Chiefs are also one of those teams that rotates everybody with the first team. Like there was a few days ago where Marcus Kemp and uh, like Gary Dieter were getting snaps with the first team. Did they move ahead of Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill because they weren't on the field when they were? They might be ahead of them now on the depth chart. Uh, so yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's just kind of like taking over. And when it gets out onto Twitter, people go nuts. It's always like the Rorschach test thing, of course, and with this backfield and specifically where it's like someone who has the suspicion that Darwin Thompson is way better than most people think sees a report like that goes insane. Uh, you know, starts like tweeting out taunts at people who own Carlos Hyde and Damian Williams, etc. And it just kind of like everybody's getting neurotic about all of it and not keeping like a grounded perspective about what preseason means, what media can know about, you know, secondhand interpretations of practices. There's just, there's a lot of noise and not much in the way of uh, solid reasoning for people to be changing their opinions so violently so often. So I don't know. I think you're better off just like knowing who the players are, having a, a firm grasp of their prospect profiles and thus, you know, the players around them necessarily. It's like, I don't need to, I don't need to look on the internet for someone to tell me what I think about Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, because I know who they both are. I know the things that they do. I can imagine the various possible outcomes with them. I don't need, uh, you know, beyond something like whatever, we saw this guy in practice, you know, this beat writer saying like, we saw him in practice. He's fat. He looks stupid as hell. Like if that's something that's coming out, it's like, okay, maybe something's a miss maybe the prospect profile doesn't apply because there's this secondary red flag but if not generally you can just grasp the baseline on on who players are by doing your own research and if you let you know flippant speculation invert your draft board you're you're just you're not grounded enough there you have it uh you got anything else for us uh no uh do you want to trade for kiki qt uh, he's very good <laughs> i have he is good i guess but uh i'm, I'm i think i have him. like two shares of him and now that feels like it's almost too many yeah i'm gonna cut probably him and jalen richard to pick up like i don't know chester rogers or something like jimmy that. garoppolo jimmy garoppolo That'd be very meta uh yeah 15 dollar bid to start things off probably let's go, let's go baby yeah. burn that fab all right, from Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to this week's Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo. the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done